Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to Viewpoints for the first time, Michelle McPherson, who's an educational and developmental psychologist. Welcome to Viewpoints, Michelle. Oh, thank you, Henry. It's uh, great to join you. Yes, and look, it's a real pleasure to have um, someone in your field with us uh, on our program, being in education myself. And it's a time when we really look to um, our education and developmental psychologists, uh, there seems to be a shortage of them considering the amount of work that's to be done. So it's great to have you on the program. Now, you've had over 20 years of experience as an educational and developmental psychologist, Michelle, in both the public and private sectors. What sparked your interest in this field in the first place? Uh, Well, Henry, it was really um, when I began my tertiary studies at university that I was first introduced to the field of psychology. Um, it was a subject that I connected with almost immediately, um, that and philosophy. Uh, I really enjoyed learning about the different theories and schools of thought within both disciplines. Uh, psychoanalytic theory and existential psychology are particular areas of interest. Uh, I've, um, I also un- undertook studies in clinical neuropsychology because uh, the the brain intrigues me. Um, But ultimately, I decided to pursue developmental and educational psychology, uh, largely because of the dynamic aspect of childhood development and um, for the opportunity to work with young minds. Mm. And is that the place to start? I mean, we we often in schools have uh, children that don't get access to these services until they're in secondary schools or or later down the track. Um, Is it self-evident that the earlier you can intervene, if there are issues, the better? I I believe so. Um, Young minds are um, highly impressionable and um, I think the sooner that we can um, be making a positive influence on a young mind, the better. Mm, Absolutely. Now, you established Learning Curve Psychology about 15 years ago. Um, I'm intrigued by titles and uh, the metaphors they may imply. That's a fascinating one in itself. What's the symbolism in that, in what you do? Well, Learning Curve Psychology was um, initially established with the intention of making a a positive difference in the lives of young people and their families through the provision of psychological services. And ultimately, we aim to help young people to understand and navigate their own personal experiences and challenges and expand their knowledge and to teach new skills. Um, This is really uh, at the core of existential psychology. It's about educating people about who they really are and treating mental health issues by expanding self-awareness and developing self-respect and self-motivation. The the foundation of existentialism more broadly uh, is based on, on more philosophical questions like what is the meaning of life and why are we here and I believe that the fundamental purpose of human existence is to acquire knowledge. Um, We're here to learn. And um, each and every one of us has our own unique learning curve or or learning journey, if you like. Mm, That's a fascinating explanation and makes makes a lot of sense. I also like the learning curve psychology. Just the title's got something appealing to it. Now, now Michelle, the pandemic, and it's it's hard not to... um, 
refer to the pandemic these days, has, as everyone knows, had an enormous impact on people's well-being. Um, from your field, you'd have had uh, a lot of first-hand uh, experience and uh, witness to it. What's, uh, what's your observations of, of its impact on people? Look, yes, I agree. It's had a, um, a significant impact on mental health, um, largely evidenced by unprecedented demand on allied health services. From my observations, the primary presentation as, as a result of the pandemic has been anxiety, um, not only in, in young people that I've worked with, but I, I believe in the community at large. Um, and look, humans fear uncertainty. And, and in Melbourne, we endured almost two years of intermittent and extended lockdowns um, with many, many changes to our typical and familiar routines and day-to-day lives. Um, I think even beyond that, the resumption of on-site learning for students hasn't hasn't been easy either. It's, it's brought about uh, different challenges pertaining to learning and behaviour, uh, as well as engagement and a- attendance, which which I believe are, are largely fear-based, mm. I think. Now, anxiety is something which we've <clears> noticed as <throat> uh, quite present in uh, the community and schools. It seems to be on the rise, and it was also rising before the pandemic. Um, it's almost like anxiety is a pandemic of its own. Uh, are there other causes for that that you notice societally? Look, I, I, I don't know about causes as such um, that there's any one specific cause, uh, it, it typically arises when we face a crisis of some kind um, and, and, or a conflict. And, and, and fear is the reaction that we have to a specific event. Um, and I think it's, um, you know, self-limiting beliefs as a result of fear that can keep us stuck even, even after a crisis or a conflict has passed. That's a good point. Now, obviously, it goes without saying, um, you're not a robot. Your colleagues are not robots. Uh, How has the uh, pandemic impacted on you as a psychologist, notwithstanding the increased demand on your time? Look, it's it's been tough, um, like it has for everyone. Um, I was certainly mindful of uh, the risk of, of burnout, um, not only for myself but my team. We all worked incredibly hard to exercise um, flexibility um, to meet demand as best we could. Um, my observations and work with people within the community really became a catalyst for reflection and I began to think about ways in which I could better serve the community and help others navigate the challenges that they were experiencing. Um, I attempted to focus more on taking positive action and and, and adapting to the circumstances um, to move forward with intention and goals that aligned with my purpose rather than focusing on what was beyond my control. Um, We had to rely on telehealth, obviously, for continuity of service at times and that presented other challenges. Uh, And um, in a bid to reach a wider audience at at the end of uh, 2021, I decided to write a children's book. Mm, an interesting, interesting form of uh, self-preservation. Uh, uh, a question that uh, I often get asked uh, is, as a teacher, was uh, did that help me teaching with my own children? I guess my question is, as a psychologist, does that help you in looking after your own mental health any better? Um, I think, 
I think it does. I think it's important to take time to, uh, like I said earlier, reflect and, and in, introspective thought um, for anyone, regardless of discipline, is, um, is, is important to, it's an important part of a, a self-care regime, if you like. Um, I mean, we all face the same challenges in some way, shape or form. Um, and none of us have been immune to, to the, the, the challenges of, of the pandemic or um, anxiety-based circumstances. So I think um, I think certainly having an awareness of it and the, the, the power and influence of thought and um, and, and action can um, can be of value or assistance. But um, sometimes I think we get too caught up in the day-to-day grind of, of life and everything that we need to get done. And we fail to um, set aside enough time for for our own, yeah, self-reflection. Mm, yeah, it's a good point you make. Now, looking ahead, both in the immediate future <coughs> and down the track, what advice, Michelle, can you give to people, just in general, in managing their mental health, which, of course, will impact on your workload if they're successful? <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, I think it's... Um, it's it's about coming back to basics. I think it's it's important to make an effort to connect with other people socially, um, to to get outside, you know, go for a walk, um, ride a bike, exercise. I, I I think it's also important to step away from digital technologies, um, you know, whether it be phones, computers, televisions, iPads, um, to afford us the time to be free of of, of um, any kind of potential distraction. Uh, and to really be present in the moment as opposed to potentially ruminating about past or fixating on on the future. Um, I think when we when we do this, we can, uh, yeah, if, like what I was saying before, afford ourselves uh, some time for uh, introspection and self-reflection and become more aware of our, our thoughts. It's mm, a good point you make. When you take a short break, can you hold the line, Michelle? Sure. Welcome back to Viewpoints Listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grussick, and I'm in a discussion with Michelle McPherson, who's an educational and developmental psychologist on uh, the work that she does and the challenges that we are all facing, both in schools and in society in general. Um, and, the, and the pandemic would have been a significant factor in that. Welcome back, Michelle. Thanks, Henry. Now, Michelle... Um, in schools, and I work in schools, obviously, as you know, we went through an extended, and so have you, period of time <laughs> undertaking what we call remote learning with a huge emphasis on the use of digital technologies. Now, from your perspective, the pros and cons of the increasing use of and often dependence on these technologies in our lives. Mm, um, yes, Um Henry, during during the lockdowns, digital technology certainly assisted with um, connectivity and continuity with regard to our school and work-related obligations. And, and there's no doubt that digital technologies can enhance productivity and they provide swift access to information. And I, I actually think it's vital for young people to learn how to use technology in, in healthy and productive ways. Um the counter argument um, potentially is that the world is becoming depersonalised and desensitised by technology. Um, you know, the, the human element is not the same by technology and in, in many cases it's absent altogether. 
um, and I think um, for young people it, it can negatively impact um, relationships and social skills and overuse can uh, isolate and disconnect uh, young people from face-to-face interactions and, and, and actually also have a, a very significant impact on, on their sleep. Um, but I don't, I don't actually think it's digital technology itself that's, that's the problem, um, but rather it's the increasing over-reliance and overuse, both individually and within society at large, that I think is creating the bigger issues. It's mm, a good point, and we're a long way from solving that one. Now, in, mm. 20, 20, in 2021, Michelle, you founded Dragonfly Global Proprietary Limited and also wrote your first children's book. Firstly, the symbolism of the dragonfly and its purpose. Yes, well, um, Dragonfly Global is a, it's a universal enterprise with a humanitarian purpose that uh, produces children's picture books. Um, these books are, are created uh, to challenge self-limiting beliefs that inhibit growth and the ability to change. Uh, they foster personal empowerment and teach children to be responsible for their thinking and their choices and actions. I, I personally think children's literature is a very powerful way to teach and communicate important life lessons. And, and the dragonfly itself is, um, is in fact a symbol uh, that represents change. Writing your first children's book, Michelle, titled A Global Pandemic Won't Change Me. Tell us about that. Um, What's your point in that book? I've um, drawn on my knowledge of uh, existential and psychoanalytic psychology and applied these somewhat uh, complex principles in a creative format uh, to make them accessible for children. The, um, the underlying concept, concept of the book is change and the story shares a, a young girl's experience as, as a result of the pandemic and we follow her on a journey of, of, of self-discovery. Um, the book itself teaches children to question, to reflect, um, to think creatively and to have the courage to face a, a challenge or personal conflict um, and to make choices that honour their beliefs uh, as well as to act in accordance with those choices and to take responsibilities um, for the decisions that they make, which is um, the, at the, the foundation, if you like, of um, existential uh, therapy. Mm, that's a good point. Now, there's a very creative thread running through your career, Michelle. Your book is one part of that. The importance to you of creativity and more broadly, what's the value of that uh, to people? Mm, for me for me personally, uh, Henry, creativity is about the use of imagination, um, and it's, which is largely to create something from an original idea. It's, it's about seeing all the possibilities and how something can be done. And um, I think our imagination is our own personal laboratory, if you like. <laughs> um, it's, it's actually a function of the subconscious mind um, that allows us to perceive a reality that is not yet fully materialised. Um, more, more broadly speaking, I think it's about uh, thinking outside the box, visualising what it is that you want to achieve and having a clear purpose and, and, and believing in it with your whole heart and then you can take action and it's, it, it's imagination um, is what turns possibility into 
reality and, and, and I think we're all creators of our own realities, um, which is an empowering concept that is that our, our, our thoughts, uh, visualisations and actions ultimately determine our reality, in which case if you don't, if you don't like your current one, you can, you can change it. Um, but I think that too often we have a tendency to look outside of ourselves to external factors or influences um, that we hope or assume will bring about a positive change or personal satisfaction. Um, but I, I think it has to be sourced and created from within. Mm, mm, interesting. Now, crystal ball gazing, and I know that's a fraught business, Michelle. What do you see as the major challenges that we'll be facing in managing our mental health societally in the coming years? Mm, that's, a, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, simply put, um, I think we need to learn to manage our anxiety and uh, fear response. I think um, when people feel stressed and overwhelmed with life, whether that be the result of the demands of their job or personal circumstances or, or a global pandemic, um, there is a tendency, I think, to seek refuge in conforming to norms or traditional values um, which can inhibit people from creating and, and doing what they really want to do um, and what they're passionate about, which uh, can further exacerbate anxiety. Um, I think, look, I think the task is to help people to work towards self-actualization and to have the courage to face, I guess, or, yeah, to have the courage in the, in, the, in the face of adversity to create positive change for themselves. Um, yeah, a, a creative mind knows no anxiety in the face of crisis because of the conviction and belief in the materialisation of a goal. Um, but that takes that takes courage, and, and and without it, we we conform, and when we conform, there is no change. So, I think we're talking about a, a shift in mindset. Mm, mm, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And finally, time's on the wing, but what's the next big picture challenge for you professionally, Michelle? You've been in the game a while um, and I'm sure you have uh, have challenges ahead of you that you're already working on. Um, I do, yes. I'm, I'm currently looking to move into the education sector as I, um, I would like to be of service to teachers and young people within school communities. Um, I believe that teachers are um, strong agents of change um, with a passion for sharing their knowledge with others. And um, I guess if, if the purpose of life is to learn, then who better equipped to lead than our teachers, right? So um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm very excited about the prospect of engaging with them to, to drive change. Um, I also plan uh, to contribute to the mental health and well-being of young people by writing lots more books mm -hmm. that um, that challenge self-limiting belief and expand conscious awareness, which is something that I am um, very, very passionate about and and I thoroughly enjoy doing. Mm, well, that's quite a plate, and I look forward to, um, to to reading those children's books. The one out there, A Global Pandemic Won't Change Me. It's an excellent book, and uh, it's it's very thought-provoking, and it's presented in, in a manner that's uh, very accessible. I just want to congratulate you on that. Oh, thank you, Henry. That was Michelle McPherson, educational and developmental psychologist and working in a field of uh, extreme relevance to us all in this day and age, listeners.